Hello again, another podcast, APG, 50 years of planning, top planners, four questions, all that. You probably know the routine by now. Uh, this time I'm talking to Bridget Anger, who is Joint Chief Strategy Officer at AMV BBDO. I think I've got all that right. Um, this is short but sweet. Really interesting echoes with previous interviews, uh, many of the same themes, some of the same clients. Uh, it's really good. Have a quick listen. I don't have much more to say. Huge thanks to Bridget for doing it. So the first question is is about a piece of work with a personal connection for you. So not necessarily something you worked on, though it could be, but just a thing like a, a piece of advertising or something that kind of means something to you. What would that be? I thought I'd talk about the Levi's campaign because it was the reason I wanted to work in advertising. I remember when it sort of burst onto the scene and it encouraged people just to look at that brand in a totally different way. And I just thought, wow, there's an industry that can overnight change people's perceptions of something. I thought, wow, I'd love to be part of that. Which was the first? It was the laundrette, I guess, and it came in was the one that I remember the most right, as right. just creating that sort of buzz and it was the thing that everybody wanted to talk about and of course we're going back in time a little bit mm-hmm. so that it was um, in the era where I guess you could talk to millions of people in one go so it's a bit of that but also it just totally repositioned that brand. I'm trying to remember was it on was it a cinema? Was it it on was TV? on a cinema it was on TV oh. firstly cinema. Was it? Yeah. And it just looked amazing. It didn't. It didn't really say very much, and that was the other thing. I, it just felt like a totally fresh style of, of of communication to me. It was talking to a more youthful audience, but it was slightly retro. But everything about it just added up to wow. This brand. This brand that was pretty uncool, and was no. It wasn't. Um, ex- you know, it wasn't expensive. It just suddenly went. You, you looked at it differently and went, yeah, okay, maybe. So what were you thinking about doing, if that made you think about working advertising, what yes. were you... Yes, what was I thinking of doing before? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I got a job at Lions Tetley um, in their innovation department because they had, I went to see them and they said, we've got this technology that we're wondering whether we can make an advantage and that was genuine, that was the round tea bag. <laughs> and I thought, well that's quite exciting to see <laughs> if you can take something that doesn't look like it's got an obvious benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was interested in that. And then I saw Levi's and thought, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> so that was the choice I was faced with. Tea so bags or... Levi's. Um, yeah. So what did you do? I went, um, well, then I had a friend. So this is in the days where you could get a job uh, in a different type of way. So I had a friend who worked at JWT. And he said to me, oh, you know, if you're interested, just come, and come to the bar one evening and meet a few people. So I went to the bar that you were still allowed to have in the office at the time, at JWT in Berkeley Square, met a load of people, thought they were all quite nice. The next day, the head of planning phoned me up and said, so do you want a job or not? And I said, oh, I've taken this job at Lions Tetley, I'm not sure if I uh, uh, should. And then I thought about it and thought, oh, I'll give it a go for three months, see if I like it, and stayed there 10 years. But now I think, it's fascinating, isn't it? I'm sure I wouldn't get a job now. I mean, they go through rounds and rounds of, you know, online interviews, questions, numerical reasoning tests, verbal reasoning tests, before you even get seen now. Yeah. I just met a few people in the pub. 
What do you think it was about the Levi stuff that made it so dramatically different? I think it was a combination of a really simple story, beautifully told with great music, beautifully shot. It looked filmic. It looked like they'd taken a minute of a film and put it together in a way that I hadn't seen before. And it didn't, I guess, coming out of the era of USPs, it didn't really try and hammer home something particularly rational about the brand. It celebrated a much more emotional aesthetic about it. Mm -hmm. Even though there was a proof point in there around the more you wash, the better they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What, um, have you looked to do it recently? No. No, I, I should do that, shouldn't you I? Should. See if it stands yeah. the test of time. I have a vague feeling that the f it no longer looks filmic. Uh, probably. That's interesting, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's, it's relative yeah. to, to, the, to its time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because in doing this exercise, I've, I've been, you know, ads people have mentioned, I've been back and looked. And apart from anything else, they're all incredibly slow. Mm. Yes, well, it's yeah. interesting. I mean, I'm going to talk about Guinness in a bit, but we showed Surfer to a bunch of graduates here, and they just went, it's quite boring, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. they're yeah. used to, you know, tell me in the first two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. All right, second question is about a piece of work with a sort of interesting story that nobody knows. Um, like the opposite of the case study that you'd write, mm. like the real mm. story. So. Well, I thought I'd talk about Guinness Surfer mm -hmm. because obviously it's been held up as one of um, the best ads of the last 30 years. It's been voted number one by consumers. Um, but there's always little moments that you don't know about where it might not have been. So I thought I'd talk about two things around Surfer. The first thing is, uh, I don't know if you know, it failed the link test when it was tested back in the day. Um, nobody understood it. And there was a moment where I think possibly people could have said, right, it doesn't work, let's get rid of it. And actually what they ended up doing was adding, so no one understood that he was waiting for the surf. So they added two words at the beginning of the film that says, he waits. And that's all they did to change something that crashed out of link to something that did really brilliantly. Mm -hmm. So I thought there was an interesting anecdote in that, which mm -hmm. is sometimes you don't have to change much to make a big difference. And do you think that actually made a difference to how the ad communicated, or yes. did it just made a difference to the link test? Oh, good question. I think it probably really did help it in the when it when it finally went on air. Okay. I think it set the mood and probably set your expectation of you might have to wait for a bit. Back to the, you know the conversation we we're having about mm -hmm. have people got patience now to go through things? I think it probably said, "Hang on, you've got to you've got to wait for something here, possibly." Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that happened was the film, there's a lot of post-production as you can imagine to get the horses right in that film. It went over time, over budget, so much so the client was getting increasingly cross and our CEO at the time is famed to have said to the creative team, look can we just lose the horses? <laughs> 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 so I guess those two things for me sum up those <laughs> margins between something that could be amazing and something that's okay. How close do you think you were to losing the horses? Do you think I think there were moments where okay. really genuinely it could have, it could, they could have gone. Right, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so were you the planner on that? No. Okay, no, that was just, just in the, in yeah. the, yeah. yeah. Those are the stories I like, the ones that 
Yeah, but that move around an agency or yeah, they're part of the culture, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I also yeah. think they do are a reminder of those tiny differences that make all the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, two words here, horses or not horses. Somebody having the confidence and the courage to go, okay, I know we're over budget, I know we're over time, but it will be worth it. Versus all the people that are more driven by the process and the timing plan. Well, and it's also the stuff that's never never in the brief it's no. never it's not to do with strategy exactly it's just yeah yeah it's the stuff that makes a difference talk about the successes no one talks about the almost misses in the journey to get something great you know, mm -hmm. they're always held up as a look at this amazing thing but no one talks about the small differences that could have made it go the other way at the time or how it's a thing I know I, I think I learned from Honda is people remember Cog and stuff like that but we did a lot of stuff that was out there and crazy mm. and didn't really work yeah, that's it was all right yeah but um, that's it, interesting you it? have to and, and no one remembers those yeah but you by shooting but you the have room, to do them yes you know it's really hard to do something brilliant yeah. the first time you try and do something. I think that's really true and will be true with Guinness too. If you look back over its history, there'll be some that were very expensive productions that never quite yeah. pulled it off. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You're right, and you tend to remember the great ones. Yeah. But yeah, there's another lesson in that, isn't there, which is you have to, by constantly trying to aim for something different, disruptive, there will be some misses along the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. All you can try and do is increase the percentage mm. of of good. Mm. It can't all be good. Yeah. What's a piece of work um, that you think has been neglected that needs that need deserves more attention? Either something from the past or just a little obscure thing that people should check out. I don't know if this is strictly within your guidance but oh, I wondered okay. if I could talk about a category because I was thinking about product demos right and I was thinking about not literal product demos or testimonials I was thinking about clever product demos that mm -hmm. used to exist and I think the Americans have always done them brilliantly if I go right back to even the original VW keeping up with the I can never pronounce the name of the neighbours next door. Oh, right, now I don't know. Oh, it's a fantastic remember. demonstration yeah, yeah. of, for yeah. the money that you um, spent on a normal car, you could have bought a Beetle and then a whole load of household appliances. <laughs> or even, I, I guess, um, Can You Blend It was a more interesting product. I mean, I was thinking about their demise and thinking, mm -hmm. why has that happened? You could say, well, it's because that sort of um, su product superiority has gradually been eroded most products are more at parity maybe mm -hmm. but I also think there's something that's happened that product demos have become cut away to the product shot mm -hmm. type of demos not clever ones mm -hmm. where, you, where someone's really built a story around the product demo I also think that what's possibly happened is people have gone let's do the product demos on YouTube yeah let's get some vloggers to talk about the product and therefore it's kind of dismissed as not dismissed but it's it's pushed at that channel because mm -hmm. everyone goes yeah product demos that's where they live mm -hmm. online mm -hmm. and as a result I'm not sure they're given the focus and the creativity that they once did have you it's ever just an, a, a, a hypothesis that is really interesting <laughs> have you ever done a have you worked on a good product really demo really good product demo um, I worked on um, a 
and car oils for Shell a, lot, a while back, where it was, they did a really, really beautiful... People didn't know which oil to buy for their car, and they, they basically colour-coded them, and they did this really beautiful ad that said, you know, blue is for diesel, green right. is... I'll get these colours wrong. Green is for unleaded and so forth. And it was really simple, really beautiful, and was better than most of the work that they've done for their brand, because it, it had a, something to tell people, but they yeah. did it in a really, really beautiful way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I hadn't done it wasn't that. a cutaway, here's the full products on shelf, and mm. it was just done evocatively mm. and emotionally. It's funny, I mean, it's not something I worked on, but I, for some reason I was thinking about um, sort of the golden age of posters. Yes. The, yes. the other day, yes. um, I think literally because I was in a remain like a second-hand <laughs> bookshop with yes. a thing called the Golden Age of Posters. But um, do you remember? Was it Evo Stick? Yes. Where they stuck a car on a poster sign. Yeah, but exactly. And you just go fast. Yeah. Clever. Yeah. Brilliant. Had a great product story to tell and yeah. did it really inventively. Yeah. Which and the institutional memory of this, you could just do that again, and everyone would Agree. think it was brilliant. Agree. You know. Agree. But I, I was just genuinely trying to work out why we didn't do them, and I do think it's those reasons. Partly, maybe that the products themselves aren't as unique and special. But I'm, I feel like that might be an excuse. And then I thought it might be also that we're we've all been Byron Sharped, and we've all been told that emotion beats rational, and therefore we put more emphasis on finding what the emotional benefit of a product is rather than actually what it, what its attributes are and how could we dramatise those in an interesting way. Yes. Yes. And actually, in so Kate Waters, who did the first one of these with the anti-smoking stuff, mm. I think what made that good is it came from her actually understanding the biochemistry and yeah. what actually, because she went to see autopsied bodies right. or whatever it was. Yes. Um, so it wasn't about it didn't start from what's the emotional benefit, it started from what actually yeah, happened. The facts. The facts, which yeah. was, yeah. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of government campaigns do quite often start with a, how do we find a new way to present the fact? And mm. we worked on Think here for a long time. And that was always about, let's uncover a truth, um, such as 30 for a reason. Mm. And that was all about going to talk to people about that's impacts. That's a good product demo, yeah. in a way. Yeah, absolutely was. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were very good at it, I think government usually. Or if everyone is trying to um, create uh, communications that sort of subtly influences people, just tell them straight, back to the kind of war posters of dig for Britain, eat more eat more potatoes. Yeah, yeah. They didn't bother to kind of be di indirect and, and sort of try and sell an, an emotional higher order benefit. They just told you what they wanted you to know. There's a, I'll, I'll, I won't be able to remember his name now, it might come back to me later, but there's a guy who teaches um, Sort of design and theory and communications at St Martin's. Uh, who, when we started, when I started working at the government, we got him in to come and talk about the history of government communications. Um, and he's a massive collector and fan of the sort of 40s, 50s, 60s kind of posters mm. in the in the the genre that I think of as I always call tidy your hammers posters because it would be a poster that said tidy your hammers with a picture of some hammers. Hammers, you absolutely. Know. They left nothing to yeah. for you to work out. And he said, um, he said he thought the demise of that and the demise of government communications as a whole started with the Sachi's pregnant man ad, where suddenly mm. everything became a concept, mm. and mm. you know there was an and 
you just go if you have a brilliant idea yeah that's fine yeah you know but people very rarely do so yeah. what you end up with is a sort of opaque yes. concept yes that people don't quite get yes whereas actually it should just say tidy your hammers and have a picture of some hammers yeah, i think you know. that's right we, yeah. we 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 sometimes think it's clever to be opaque when actually probably the opposite is true if we could just tell people directly what we'd like them to know and make it look nice yes like just get a really good yeah. illustrator yeah I've often um, sat in research groups where you've listened to consumers trying to work out what the message is that they think you're telling them. Oh, do they think? Do they want me to do this, or are they trying to say that? And you think, why are we making it really difficult for them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just yeah. tell them. Yeah, they haven't yeah. got time to mess about no. with our cleverness. No. Yeah. Right. Good. Very mm. good. That's interesting. Oh. So, fourth question: What's the piece of work of which you are proud? I'm often proudest of the latest thing I've done. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about body form as the campaign that I'm proudest of having worked on recently. So we won that business four years ago with a thought for them that was about live fearless. And we were going to be a brand that encouraged women who often their own self-confidence held them back to kind of step forward and live the life that they wanted and do the things they wanted to do. Now when we started, we were still doing, I guess, mainstream, product demonstrations of how we had longer towels, towels with wings that could help women live fearless, but you have to look at it and go, really? Was that really the kind of fearlessness that we wanted? And gradually, with clients who are amazingly committed to, to do things that they think really help women, we've done a couple of campaigns now under Live Fearless that I'm really proud of. The first one started with a little tactical ad. So Laura Robson, the tennis player, mm -hmm. Um, crashed out of, I think it was the US Open, and she said it was because I was on my period, and it was the first time a female sports person had ever acknowledged that that might have been an issue. So we ran a little tactical ad that said, blood, sweat, tears, crossed out the word, blood, the last taboo in sport. And it begun to get picked up, and we thought, mm, there's something interesting in this, no one's talking about it. So that gave us the courage to make a film that was all about, you know, let's not let blood get in the way of what we want to do. It won a can lion, but it was also we supported it with um, help on how to exercise when you were menstruating, nutritional advice, all sorts of things that we thought women would find helpful and useful. So it wasn't that we were just saying, this is an issue, let's talk about it. We also wanted to give women some tools to help them. Um, so that was the first taboo we looked at, women in sport, which was fantastic to look at, something I feel passionate about. And then recently we decided to tackle the blue liquid issue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we created a campaign called Blood Normal that was just going to say, we're the first brand that is just going to show menstrual blood on TV. It's normal, we shouldn't have to hide from it. Let's just, the more you can talk about things, the more um, women stop hiding issues. It means that there aren't any health issues that they're hiding and it can just be open and normalised. So we did that. And we created all sorts of products around it and help and advice. And again, it's been picked up and I think has got people's attention. And, and it's a brand, it's run, it's holding company is a Swedish company called Essity. They're a very quiet ex-forestry brand that used to grow trees. They're not used to, I don't think, doing things that put their head above the parapet, but it's been an amazing journey for them. And then back to sometimes things that that you think are the right thing to do, you get a lot of people saying no along the way. And I'd have to say that, particularly the last one, where we were going to show menstrual blood, has created all kinds of problems, both for them internally, 
know, with various um, advertising authorities, and they've been willing each time to go, no, it's the right thing to do, so we'll challenge what we're told. And that takes quite a lot of conviction, I think. But as a result, you know, this brand is feeling like it's got a point of view in the world above just some products that help people. Mm -hmm. so That's, I was going to say, so the, that first tactical ad you did, mm. was that controversial internally um, or was that or did it just feel I think like it went under the radar so no one noticed it I think that's the other lesson you know sometimes okay. you have to start something small and then build the case around something small that doesn't upset too many people mm -hmm. <laughs> in truth I'm not sure if we'd gone to the business and said, right, you know, redirect all your money, spend a lot of money on making a film. That would have got the same level of traction had it not been that we'd tried something small, shown that it could get noticed and picked up, and then made the case to do, do it bigger. And did you feel like you were ahead of culture, or it was you were just following something well, that's time had come? Uh, it's really interesting. So it was ahead of you know Me Too and all the various sort of movements, but there were brands that were beginning to talk about you know female equality in some way. So lots of brands trying to encourage, I guess, women to step forwards. But I think the tackling the taboos of the category mm -hmm. were different to the, anyone else doing. And I, I guess that would be my advice because there's always a danger that you try and ride on a, a, a big trend like equality. You've got to find a reason why you as a brand, it, why it's relevant for you to talk about it. Otherwise, I think it does it like it's just bolted on. Mm -hmm. So I think unlocking the fact that we had taboos that were really holding women back was the thing that unlocked us. And has it changed the category? Does, that, does everyone else communicate differently now? You can see it beginning to change in different countries at different speeds. Right. But yes. That's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. You wait till the next thing we do. I can't show it to you yet. <laughs> That's the thing. One thing leads to another, doesn't it? And back mm -hmm. to our point about not everything will be a huge hit, but I think they now have got the courage to try things they would never have done five years ago. Right, yeah. There's another point, isn't there, about the sort of the great ideas that we talk about usually are a partnership between a client, one client. It only takes one, doesn't it? One person in an organisation to be totally committed to doing it. Mm -hmm. And an agency that they you build trust with mm -hmm. and that if the longer that may last the better the trouble is quite often then clients get promoted off the back of it and then you lose them <laughs> yeah this yeah. particular client did get offered a promotion and said no thank you i want to stay where i am because i'm doing things that are really important that's good mm. well, quite rare though isn't yeah, it yeah 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 okay that is brilliant yes thank you very much my pleasure thank you <laughs> excellent it was a nice chat